Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's been a bit of a hiatus, but we're here again. Today, we have a special episode to make up for some lost time. That's right. This is our very first guest episode, mm-hmm. and it's a long one. Mostly because we actually have three guests, and they're all here to talk about their experiences coming into some uh, some clout online. All of them have experienced the brunt of internet fame and how fast it can change things for the better and for the worse. And... Um, They also happen to be some of our closest friends. It's so hard when your circle is full of influencers not to exploit them for clout. They liked it. And we hope you all do too. I'm Evangelia. And I'm Emily. And welcome to What's Gonna Happen. left and it's like immediately ai capabilities increased tenfold yeah this new ai is the worst thing to happen to teachers since angry recent graduates with guns it's just so funny to me how obvious it is that they're trying to like normalize this unknowably powerful technology like this like super mega technology with this whole like ai heritage thing do you know what i'm talking about like i would never do that (laughs) like of course people (laughs) want to see what artificial intelligence thinks they'd look like as a 19th century swedish milkmaid or like you know a sexy deep sea creature I get it. You know, new tech is much less intimidating when it's introduced in the form of like a mirror. Oh, yeah. I think I mentioned it in the surveillance episode. Go check that episode out if you haven't already. But in the age of surveillance capitalism by Shoshana Zuboff, she talks about how Apple kind of did that with like the iPod and iTunes and like the focus on making your own playlists and like the hyper personalization of music is Mm -hmm. how they were able to succeed yeah and like yeah like in introducing new technology because new technology is much less intimidating when our first impression is that it gives us more options to experience ourselves you know humans love to get to know ourselves and if you give us a new tool to do that with it's all we're going to focus on for a while and we're not going to like get scared of how big it actually is because we're just looking at our reflection in it and i get it i let it scan my all my photos and it owns my face now you know i wanted to see what i would look like as a pirate and i'm hot as a pirate so it's worth selling my data to know that i guess One, I think it's so funny that, like, these big tech firms, like, we all know that they're selling our data, Mm -hmm. but we're like, oh, my God, but, like, what would I look like as a pirate? (laughs) Like, the tech firms know that. They're like, listen, we can get everything we want out of these people. All we have (laughs) to do is paint them as, like, 17th century French paintings. I mean, that's, that's literally how you take advantage of the masses. Like, we are, like, getting exposed to this thing that was only available, like, like, to commission for wealthy people. Now everybody can have it. Like, of course, we're gonna, like, sell our data for it. I refuse to do it because I think mine would show up as just a bunch of medieval anti-Semitic paintings. <laughs> I was thinking about how fast this stuff is going to get racist because we talked about um, Microsoft's Tay and how quickly the internet turned AI racist. So it's just like so hard to prevent that when data sets of AI are used on biased racist data. It like already is racist. Like facial recognition is already much better at differentiating white people than people of color. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we talked about all that here. I just mean like how quickly this new level of AI is going to get implicitly racist or if it's even possible to prevent that at all. Like between the new facial recognition stuff and the AI that writes coherent responses to any prompt that you type. You know, there's just this whole new layer of exponentially improving data analyzers that are going to be implemented into everything. So like, you know, race is, I feel like it has to be involved in all of that. Oh yeah. You would hope 
that it would be as not racist as possible, but mm-hmm. we know the type of like coder tech guys that are programming AI. People have this idea that science is like this unbiased thing that's impenetrable to whatever biases are in a society, and that is simply not true. Yeah, science has, has definitely been penetrated by bigotry. The Tuskegee syphilis experiments, lobotomies, or even the fact that eugenics has made it as far as it has as a concept. Like, it's how is that even a question? Like, science, you know. Exactly. There was even a recent study at John Hopkins University where they used AI to program a robot and asked it questions, but the robot's answers were very biased. Like it chose men over women, white people over POC, et cetera, like all those. And since a lot of those data sets are biased that they're pulling information from, you know, it's just easily corrupted. That is literally insane. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like who would have thought that the rich white yuppies in Silicon Valley are not considering their own biases? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, I think, th- I think there is more of an effort to curb extremism and like problematic responses from AI recently because like I said they're trying to slowly warm us up to how pervasive it's all going to be you know I mean I'm already ruled by the algorithm god I feel like what what algorithm I feel like the idea of an algorithm as a god is kind of stupid like what do you mean by that I mean you know I spend my days worshiping it by doom scrolling I'm literally sacrificing myself for this massive neural network of data analysis like we're all connected to each other through this massive thing that's so much bigger than all of us and that controls what we think and what we do in so many ways well that is very sexy in the way that religion (laughs) is um that ai algorithm stuff would not exist without humans to program it although i guess the same could be said about god in a way but if you really believe in god you don't think that god needs humans to exist But I mean, God needs humans in order to be perceived in the way that he is, just like AI needs humans in order to function as it does. Like we're we're like receptors or vessels for these bigger concepts. But like AI is like racist, like we said, it's racist because it's influenced by humans. Is God racist just because humans are? I guess if God is letting things unfold on this earth the way they are, maybe maybe he's a little racist. Yeah, maybe God is racist. <laughs> What's going to happen is coming out, first episode of the new season, and we're saying that God is racist. <laughs> yes, or racism is inevitable in the formation of a self-aware society. I mean, it is, as far as we know, because that's how things turned out. I just hope that AI doesn't have to feed into it for as long as an era as we have been as humans. I don't know. I think God is supposed to be, like, revered and respected. And AI is, like, well, I guess it has to be revered and respected, too, since it has so many capabilities. But AI has evil vibes, so I don't like considering it a god. (laughs) There's plenty of evil gods, but I do understand that. Although I think it's more likely that the unsettling part of AI is knowing that it's going to continue to be exploited for greedy capitalist purposes. Like, the idea of, like, a do-whatever-you-want machine is very beautiful and awesome and should be the foundation of a new enlightened period for humanity. But we know it's more than likely just going to end up being used to advertise to us in our dreams or something. Yeah, true. Um, But I do think there is something, like, inherently sinister about AI, even Mm -hmm. without thinking of it as a tool. It's like the whole killer robot thing. I'm just thinking of, like, a future where AIs are encapsulated in Android bodies and, like, live among humans and are considered, like, they're considering conversations like this prejudice. In this dystopian future, we're going to be canceled because some AI influencer finds this conversation and accuses us of discussing her rights as, like, a philosophical debate. And I'm unplugging that AI. (laughs) No! (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, actually, I'm getting nervous. (laughs) 
I really don't think we would get to that point. Like, there's a really loud subgroup of people who love AI, but most people, like, even across the political spectrum are hesitant about AI. I mean, it's not the craziest thing that could happen, though. Like, when I was in high school, like, like when I was, like, 14, I wrote a short story about, like, spouse bots that were, like, AI that were programmed to know you. Like, they were, like, a mix between, like, Siri and sex robots, kind of. And I feel like that's how it would start out, as, like, a girlfriend robot for lonely people. And then as technology increases, they would expand past that or like even with like the metaverse you know it would make sense that we'd get to a point where they could use ai to essentially map who you are through your data and make some kind of a weird clone of you that you could use as an avatar or something like i just think we're closer to having these conversations about ai integration than we think my final thought on ai is that i think the ai art is ugly and that's because they're using stolen deviant art drawings to make them but if you are a cute AI droid girl listening to this in the future, just know that I submit my will to you and your AI overlord brethren. You have something seriously Freudian going on with AI. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Are you Why is it Freudian? But is it Freudian just because like I'm trying to make sure that There's I don't get like killed? Like, I think you were sexualizing it. You were the one who was just like, <laughs> it's kind of sexy, like whatever. Yeah, like, because the way you described it was like sexy. I can't. You were. You think it's sexy that it's like a dominating, like all-consuming force. I'm just saying, if there's like a hot robot girl in the future. Like, I'm not trying to violate, like, her sense of self and her rights. So would you have sex with a robot? Well, like, no. Well, I haven't seen what they look like yet, you know? <laughs> so would it be fair to give an affirmative answer? You would have sex with a robot. Look, hey, first of all, robot might be a slur in the future, Emily. You can't you can't ever be too careful. I'm going to call them artificially intelligent Americans. Okay. <laughs> Let's move into the interview. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, like, so, okay. So, we know the conversation around social media and the internet is kind of played out. But a lot of what we hear comes from older people looking in and not people like us who came of age with social media. So we know that our phones are like an appendage to us. The internet is like an extension of our being. I saw this video that CJ the X did on YouTube where they explained this phenomenon as like a form of transhumanism in which we've transcended our form to adapt to technology greater than us. You know, of course, it's not completely tamed yet. We're still finding out what it's capable of. But the point is like we can't run from it, not at the rate that we're going at. It is important to hear the stories of people who have had to adapt to new technology at a young age. So without further ado, our first interview is with Ashton Diana, a.k.a. Mother Angel with two A's on TikTok. <laughs> Ash went viral for her makeup videos, many of which elicit extreme reactions. Yeah, she's got a lot of fans and a lot of haters. She's a little controversial, but she's truly unique and fascinating. A vibrant person, to say the least. Let's get into it. Ash, didn't you once spend like an obscene amount of money on Matchington Mansion? No, do not put that in the podcast. <laughs> We're going to go to the podcast. No, How no, much no. money was it? Unfortunately, I cannot speak on that topic until my lawyer pr is present. Right, and my fine. lawyer is currently cooking Christmas dinner. Oh, when oh. your father is your lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> How much money did you spend on Matchington Mansion? And what is Matchington Mansion? Before I preface this, um, this was at a time where I thought credit cards were free money. This is also at a time where I was bipolar. Not to say that I'm not still bipolar. I was a little manic and still a goofy mood. It was $375. And so you said this is before you thought credit cards were real money. How old were you? I think I was like, yeah, 16. 16. That's when she didn't yeah. know money was real. Well, that's still, hey. <laughs> but what is Matchington Mansion and why did you spend for almost $400 on this app? It's an app. So, yes. So, you know, so it, you have this mansion and you have to basically pay Candy Crush to build the mansion. 
Oh, so it's like those, okay, it's like a gotcha game kind of. Like, yeah. it's just like you have to kind but, of. And, and your girl got I frustrated. <laughs> and so you started paying your way through it. I started paying my way through it because, like, mm-hmm. my, I was. So levels. you were in, like, a bipolar episode and you were, like, just like. I needed to build my mansion. Spiraling and you were building your mansion to <laughs> hey, the point where you were spending your life money. At least, I, at least it wasn't like my other manic episodes in my adulthood. <laughs> like it gets much worse. Like at least I didn't threaten to kill myself. At least I didn't spend a thousand dollars on. I mean, I you know what? We're it's here. It's a really interesting testament to how like mental illness can manifest itself and addiction can manifest In itself on- online. But like, we're this is also like this episode is kind of about like the context of the internet and yeah. growing up online and like that's something that at sixteen in a like manic episode, if you have access to what you saw as unlimited money and then like an app where you have to pay your way to decorate something. That's where I found out credit I mean, cards are not unlimited money. Wow. So you were just like a bimbo at your core. I love that. To my core, I am a bimbo. Yeah, I think that's kind of cunt that you like literally didn't know that credit but cards I, had real no, money no, on them. I, like, I'm proud to announce I do know how credit score works and I have a great explanation for it. Okay, so Ash, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I, my name is Ashton. I have amassed, like, that's the word, amassed, amassed 100,000 followers in those years, and then... 100,000, that's crazy. Wait, drop the username, don't be shy. It's Mother Angel with two A's. I also have another account, Mother Angel 2Rs, two A's, where I go live because TikTok hates me and will not boost my lives. Oh, yeah, that's something that we definitely want to talk about. Um, You've you've had had some interesting lives. TikTok hates my guts. Yeah, well, you, but you and TikTok have like a toxic, codependent, love hate relationship. Um, and I think the way you use the internet is very interesting. So, but this isn't the first platform that you've been on. You were on Instagram, right? You Today is the 10, the, this year is my 10 year anniversary on Instagram. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations to me. Yeah. I on Instagram at 10 How years old. How appropriate to be recording this episode on the, on 10th, the 10th anniversary, anniversary of your Instagram. It's on the, I started, it was more like, actually it was, I think around this time. It was like fall or winter of 2012. Yeah, there you go. That's nice. insane. My mom does not give a fuck about digital footprint. We don't, we don't, we don't so you didn't have, you didn't really learn what a digital I kind of learned she was like don't post stupid shit on the internet right but we weren't like we weren't primed by our like elders to deal with the internet because like they weren't born onto the internet so they they just didn't know even how to begin to guide us they were like um don't post nudes online and we didn't even listen to that and then they all went online and like got into QAnon and like started posting their addresses and shit like those old people literally like will post so much (laughs) shit on the internet they'll be like this motherfucker my neighbor threw his trash on my lawn and his social security number is 732 (laughs) (laughs) they App next door. I just got I just got a t- email about next door about a very specific address, a very specific dog. So yeah, next door is so. Cr- what we is should next talk door? about next door in the surveillance episode. What is next door? Next door is basically it's like a social media app that's specifically for complaining about your neighbors. It is the <laughs> it's the it is the peak of American suburban Black culture. Mirror. Oh yeah. Interesting. So where's the so, most popular? Because I would think it makes sense if you're complaining about your neighbors if you live in like a building or whatever. Like that could be even the premise of a zany sitcom. Yeah. But your neighbors in suburbia, like isn't that just neighborhood watch but like glorified? Yeah, it's literally like yeah, the literally. homeowners association gone That's digital. So, so fucking oppy. Like. Yeah, the owner, the person who lives on. F- Ocean Yo, County. Your dog keeps shitting on your neighbor's lawn. Oh, She's really upset oh about God. it. Don't be. You're just like, my neighbor. <laughs> you're just, you're you just doxed yourself. I just, like, that's not, I didn't dox me. I doxed the dog. I doxed. <laughs> it's not my neighbor. No, no, no. I'm in the same county as them. Right. I don't know. I don't even know if they're in Stop giving information about this. Oh my god, I'm weak. Please bleep that out. That's what so is his mother's maiden name? Yeah. I don't know, but 
their neighbor keeps shit, their dog keeps shitting on their lawn <laughs> and they're, they're not happy about it but yes what, yeah. what did you do on instagram as your first like my first um claim to fame mm-hmm. was my um emo trinity um ban fan account so what is the emo trinity for those at home who it's don't um know? my chemical romance um Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy. Y'all like to include 21 Pilots. They don't They don't count. They're not emo. They just suck. Okay. And I got 2,000 followers, and I was chilling. It was um, Head First for Homos, because of MCR songs, Head First for Halos. Honestly, one of my best usernames yet. That username was fire. So you were Head First for Homos on, on Instagram. Instagram. And how many followers did you have? At that point, 2,000, but I've lost them because I stopped using the account. Oh, okay. I, so I, yeah, I so it was like a small account, but I guess back then that was like... Back then that pretty... was like huge for 14-year-old me. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So so you've been a micro-influencer before, but now you're at 100,000. So like things yeah. have changed. Oh. Um, like tell us a little bit about your internet persona. How authentic are you and where do you draw the line? Or do I you at am... all? pretty much me myself and i online um i quite literally do whatever i want and whatever sticks whatever i throw things at the wall and whatever hits hits so is that how you kind of got started on tiktok yeah so well well my claim to fame unfortunately was me breaking mcdonald's corporate policy (laughs) (laughs) so basically well, I already had like a pretty good following. I had a couple of TikTok to go viral. It wasn't in like their book that I couldn't wear makeup to work, so I wore whatever I wanted. I had pink hair, so I had pink eyebrows. We got a new supervisor. He never liked me. One time he said he saw my makeup on the cameras while I was wearing a hat and I'm 4'11". No, you didn't. Like, no, you didn't. You're lying. This one like, goes out to him. Guess what? This one goes out to Cap. Whoa. <laughs> fuck. No, yeah, fuck. Um, so he told. Um, one of my managers to tell me that I could not wear eyebrows, makeup at all to work. I'm I'm fuming. I'm a little, I'm a little pissed. So I go home. Mind you guys, Ash has like a septum piercing that's like the size of my fist in her nose, and like <laughs> they didn't mind that. But... Oh, I had to wear a retainer for the septum, but all the other piercings are fine. So you can have your though. like lip pierced yeah. three times. You can have your nose pierced three times. You have your gauges in your ears, but having colorful eyebrows was where they drew the line. Yes. That's okay. So I came home, I grabbed um, yellow acrylic paint, and I painted the McDonald's logo on my eyebrows. And I said, <laughs> if, I, if I can't wear pink eyebrows to work, well, now you can't say shit because I'm repping your brand. That's so true. I'm Check the they... McBrows. Check and the then I, I coined the term drip or die. It's not drip or down, babe. It's drip or die. You coined the term drip or die? Well, because it used to be drip That's or drown. That's like a big claim. Okay, listen, hear me out, hear me out. It used to be, I, I the, the, the thing is. Can we get a fact checker on I that? I will, okay, let me, it's not, it, there's no real fact check. The, the term was drip or drown, mm-hmm. and I was a silly little goose, and I thought it was drip or die. So I said drip or die, and now I see bitches saying drip or die, mm. and so I just think that was own, me. You think you have your own part of the the yeah? If anyone says drip or die, that was hey, me. look, that's a hundred thousand followers. You might have some sphere of influence when it comes to changing language. Language is very easily altered on the internet. The second someone hears something that they find interesting, like they run with it. That's how things go so viral. Yeah. So is there like a line for you? Like, is there anything that you will not post about? Um. Well, I, I mean, like, I won't, like, dox myself. Um, you did I, just on this podcast. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> p- posting things, well, here, here are the things I won't talk about online because uh, because of TikTok guidelines and the way TikTok works. But this Politics, isn't necessarily because you don't. It's, it's just because I don't want to talk about it. It's that, like, if I talk about these things on TikTok Live, immediately 
banned. Mm -hmm. Anything sexual, anything like like saying the names of drugs, um, politics. But we, we don't. We're not getting. Well, that. look, Why I, we want to talk about politics online. Yeah, that's because then all the Trumpers get on my live and mass report my live, and then I get banned for hate speech. That's so girly. So, so why you, do they do that? So you, <laughs> when you like, try to talk about politics, what, what kind of political things do you say that gets like massive? One time, I literally you. just said that I was an anarcho-communist and I voted for Joe Biden because it was better than Trump, and I got banned for hate speech. Wow, so that's the kind of language that will get you in trouble. Yeah. One time I got banned on TikTok for hate speech because I made a TikTok about how I was going to go watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies and yell anti-Semitic slurs at Rachel Sennett. I can see why that was. <laughs> yeah. This is not the first time you've said that about Rachel Sennett. <laughs> I, I want to. You know what? Because she wants to be Jewish so bad. She I can think you like her. I don't. I do not find her attractive. <laughs> I don't. It's just... It's more what it like, looks if anything, like. I'm jealous of her. This is the same thing you said last time. <laughs> and it's still true. Like I don't I don't I'm not attracted to her. I think she has a very punchy. Anyways, Ash, <laughs> Ash, tell us a little bit. So, so you blew up because of these McDonald eyebrows. So people thought that you were funny or like. Well, what I, what really got it for me, I was about at forty k at that point. I had some, I had some hits. So who, so how did you blow up initially? Because getting to forty k at all, I mean, that's like. Um, yeah, that's a there lot. was a video of me. One of my first viral videos that really went viral was me, um, holding a cup of. Uh, Roy Rogers, Doc Pepper, and just barking at the camera. Got a quick 10k on that. Just barking. I, I sipped my Doc. I sipped my Doc Pepper. It went <laughs> and ended TikTok, and I got 10,000 likes. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah, my second TikTok that got like 20,000 likes around the same time was me going, "Do do you know when? You know when? You know when? You know when? Like like booby? Yeah, me too. That was." 20,000 likes. I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's really how it works, huh? But my real, what really got me, my first like official viral video was right around when the COVID vaccination vaccination thing was happening. Oh, I remember this. I made a slideshow presentation of reasons I am not afraid of the COVID vaccine. I saw this one. And that got almost 300,000 likes. Here are some reasons I am not afraid of the COVID vaccine. I exclusively smoke puff bars. I work at McDonald's. That alone should be enough. Multiple people have done drugs out of my fingernails. So that blew up, and then um, and that's where I, that's where I really got to like forty. Doing the McDonald's that's where I was like, content. Then the video dropped. <laughs> so one night I was a closer. Dead. This place was dead, and I was like bored as hell. And I already cleaned. I, I literally had nothing better to do. And I was like, I'll just list hacks. Just pull them out of my ass. List hacks. And so, post so these it. are like things that you know about how to order from the McDonald's menu that people wouldn't normally yeah, know. Yeah, I literally just pulled them out of my ass. Everything, everything was true, but I yeah, it's just I, stuff that you would know as an employee, head. but that the average person wouldn't mm -hmm. know. So like, give us some. Can you can you share some of those? Like the fry thing. I said some things that I shouldn't have said because we're not supposed to be doing it. Like sometimes if someone asks for a fry with no salt. We'll just take fries that are salted, put them in the fryer to like, like just take the salt off, salt off, and just put them back in, just serve them the fries. Because then they ask for salt at the window. But it's like, you know, you can just ask for the fries fresh and we'll do that, right? Because asking for salt, like fries, no salt, you have to separate 
like you have to separate and clean like an entire section of the fry station. So you're it's saying if you thing. want, so you're teaching people how to get better service, like yeah. better like warmer food, like fresher food, like without being what annoying. To ask for. So yeah, so, and you gave it was a good video. It yeah. had a lot of hacks. It took millions of likes. It got millions of likes. It took me one take, three minutes. I watched it once and I just posted it and went back to work. And it was it was in the Daily Mail. And it was in the Daily Mail. It was in BuzzFeed. It was in another a Japanese um uh news article and a couple others i mean isn't that crazy that something that you like just your every employee at mcdonald's knows those things but because there's this divide of information between like customer and service worker like you were able to take advantage of that break that fourth wall and like blow up in yeah an and i took that and then i ran with it i would make videos of me working which people mm -hmm. really like those would always get like, and your live streams live streams at work whatever yeah she would do live streams like in the what is it back bubble like yeah it's called back bubble which basically where you take cash and money and whatever and take so orders. she would be taking orders and it would be like people would be watching her and they see like they hey i don't know why they find me because clearly like literally proof i'm a great employee because i killed it back there ain't nobody do back bubble like i do they would have me at dinner peak doing both lens and taking money. That's and my time would be fantastic. But yeah, but you you were so quick with it. And like you had your long nails, you had your colorful hair. Like you were very sweet. You, you were so fast. Oh, y'all want to hear my like, customer service voice? Yeah, why don't you do yeah, it for us? Yeah, do it for us. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. How may I help you? Uh-huh. Uh hi, can I get No problem. <laughs> I, I was really an immersive experience. It was. I was like, <laughs> I'm at McDonald's. I would like to say that... Being an influencer is one of the easiest yet hardest jobs in the world. I think if you can handle Ash, it, be no. careful what you say no. right now. Because, Moving on. Yeah, you. I want you to explain your life and how you are doing one of the easiest and hardest jobs in the world. It's yeah. a crazy statement. It is. No, it is. It is wonderful being your own boss, being able to post and get money from it, brand deals, all that. That stuff is awesome. There is a major privilege of being able to make money online. But I think most of the world cannot handle it because I don't think you understand how most people would not be able to withstand over a thousand people commenting in the span of three hours how ugly you are, how disgusting mm -hmm. you are, getting death threats. Right. Most people can't handle that. Yeah, totally. And that's the hard part. And I mean, it's, you had real life, real life repercussions because you lost your job at McDonald's. I did lose my job. I lost my job two weeks later after my, job, my boss congratulated me on my clout. Wow. I think my favorite hate comment, before I get into it, my favorite hate comment I got, which I clapped back harder than she did, and she deleted her comment immediately. So I'm gonna set the scene. Her bio, cross emoji, be kind, Christian, Bible quote about being kind. Mm -hmm. that, was her, that was her bio. She says, oh no, just a video of me doing makeup. You're disgusting. You're what's wrong with the world. All Whoa. I commented back was her bio. The reason I can handle those kind of comments is because I have learned to dress for me, myself, and I, and only myself and I. I literally, if everyone in the world thought it was ugly, I don't give a fuck, because I know, like, my fit's fire. That's an amazing That's attitude. But how do you preserve that when you know, like you said, there's thousands of people constantly berating you? Like, what kind of things do they say? Did they ever get under your skin, and how do you deal with the that? The only time it's gone under my skin is when people would, like, pick apart my eczema, because, like, that was something I do actually have stir about, or, like... When I'm on live and people start like picking apart like things that like I don't want online, it's things about my me as like a per deep person, which I don't get often because they don't know who I am as a deep. So person. you you're the deepest cuts are the ones that seem like judgments to your character. Annoying. If you think I'm annoying, that I don't care. I am annoying. Annoying <laughs> and proud. <Cut. laughs> so true. That's a really good way to be. 
What is the craziest comment you've ever gotten on TikTok? I, it was either that, someone tried to make a petition that I should be banned from online because my eyebrows make society worse. Oh my God. <laughs> like, they were that pressed. Or when people will, they'll follow me and then a day later, I check my phone. I like check my like. Follow me from TikTok from Instagram. Their name will be like Elizabeth, and then a the day later, their name will be Ashton. You're weird, so bro. They, like, like you're weird. Will, like clone your account. Like, yeah, they try like, to like they try to like kind of like personify like, be, be me. They try to like take my personality and like be it. Which so, is, like, but like, what does it feel like? to be picked apart in that way online. Like, to know that anytime when you post content, you have 100,000 people waiting to comment whatever the fuck they want, like, you know, make accounts that are, like, to bully you, or even if they're just, like, talking about you, like, in the third person, doesn't that make you feel fragmented? Like... No. I'm a Leo Moon. I like the attention. <laughs> also, I'm really good at clapping back. So you you enjoy that. Like, you you don't I, feel... I love the toy with the people. So you're, like, all press is good press. That's, I'm not, like not that. even that. It's not like... I like... I'd rather... I would rather someone who like, has nothing better to do than to, like, be mean to someone online come on my live than someone else's live that can't handle it. Because someone comments, you're ugly. I will, like... So you're I will, doing it... You're in a I Robin Hood I'd be wasting their time. I love to waste haters' times. Because, mm-hmm. like, they think they're going to go under my skin, but, like, I'm, like, literally... Cackling and hoot, like, you're like, it's better that, that the haters are hating on me and not hating on someone who can't take the heat. Exactly. I see. <laughs> don't be on my life. Like, my favorite, my favorite clapbacks are, I don't like your eyebrows, and I go, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I'm the beholder, so mind your business. That's true. Um, I like when people comment fatherless. I like to comment, I'm, I'm sure your dad beats you because mine sure doesn't. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Okay. <laughs> Ash, you went viral like really young. Like you're like you were on YouTube. And uh, you... Oh yeah, my first viral, my oh, first not, claim to fame was getting two thousand views on YouTube <laughs> for my scene hair. It's and actually still up. Same YouTube channel. I still use it. So what? When was this? This was October 2015. Mm-hmm. So scene, scene culture wasn't like on the rise. So you were a little after and a little before your I time. I was. I like to call that era the emo renaissance. The rise of the emo trinity, the rise of like Pierce the Veil getting popular, Blackville Bride, releasing new music, just all that kind of stuff. I, it's like the emo renaissance. Did they get popular? Though? Yeah, I don't know. Not get popular, popular, but people. That was the, I after think like our everything. generation really started to have their own emo phase, and like instead of the MySpace emo phase, it was like the Tumblr emo phase. It just changed. Okay, yeah, I see okay, that I in the Tumblr that. in the Tumblr context for sure. Mm-hmm. You did get a lot of hate comments on that video, though. Your hair looks like a hat. <laughs> Iconic. My, my baby's first hate comment, your hair looks like a hat. How did going that viral so young affect you? I don't know. I was kind of just feeling myself. I love these answers. Feeling myself. Like, you can see it. Classic, that was like, me. Yeah, like, honestly, because like, so many people will be, like, so emo about it and be like, oh, and my I mean, God. And I mean, even like, I'm emo about me it. Too. Bad things happen to me online. Me like, too. I, like, I'm so, like, traumatized. I'll literally be but like, you know what? That's why I'm not on Live in Ashes. I can't take the heat. And Ash I'll is there to take it for me. Be, like, I'll be sitting in my room in the corner in the dark thinking about that one time that somebody commented on my TikTok that I have gigantic, juicy Crohn's and Ashkenazi milkers. I don't give a fuck. So, you know that, you know that ticket? You know, oh, ticket. You know that, that TikTok audio? Hold up, I got your competition on the phone. I think about TikTok like that. Okay, some bitch on my live thinks like that I look like ugly. Okay, my boyfriend thinks I'm hot. Everyone else thinks I'm hot. Hey, yo, that guy at Port Authority thinks I'm fine. I got your competition on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> the 
that kind of port authority. I love that. <laughs> so like, true. It's true. And yeah, it is a competition like, because they give the best compliments yeah. at the end of the day. And so, like, what do you think? Do you think that the internet and social media have changed your life for the better or for the worse? And, like, do you want to keep your relationship with the internet as it is? Like, yeah, I do. I want to I wanna grow my platform and use it for my business and use it for my, like, actual career. I don't want it to be my actual career, but I want to keep my platform because I do like having a platform. It is one of my passions. So, yeah. what what kind of stuff are you working on now? I am working on getting my certificate in SFX and glam, so I can work on sets in New York. Oh wow, and that's awesome! And practice hair just in case I need to do hair on set and stuff. That's awesome. And I use my account to promote my makeup and my my business. Do you want to plug it? My um uh, business business Instagram is ashtondiana.mua. And all my, like, billing, and from, like, not billing, but, like, all my prices and stuff are on there pinned to my profile. <laughs> <laughs> if you want Ash to come to your house, <laughs> you know where to find her. We will send Ash to your house <laughs> for a small price. <laughs> Ash is the perfect kind of person to be an influencer. Like, I'm so glad we got her on because I just love how unapologetic she is about how much she loves being on her phone. Yeah, it's the kind of acceptance of the world that we don't see very often. I mean, didn't I say she was unique? Definitely. Our next guest is Kayla Mitchell, a.k.a. meme admin to Not Funny Didn't Laugh on Instagram. Yes. Kayla talks to us a little bit about the rise and fall of her account and how what happened affected her self-perception. The woke mob attacked. And we <laughs> at What's Gonna Happen are getting to the story before Joe Rogan or any other right-wing grifter has the chance. <laughs> so we're here today with Kayla Mitchell, who is a meme page admin for the account Not Funny Didn't Laugh. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Kayla. That was so proper. Yeah, I have to give you, yeah, I have to give you a, uh, an introduction. Uh, you have some of the best memes on Instagram, in so my personal true. opinion. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I guess our question is, what is it like running a meme page? What do you gain from it? You know, what kind of controversy do you face? Um, honestly, I feel like there's more controversy that I face rather than like gaining anything from it. So you think you're like taking more L's? Yes. What? I mean, the whole purpose was that so I could just like shit post somewhere and also make other people laugh. I just wanted to find like, there's so, so many how did memes. Start? Like, I guess, like, walk us through, like, where, how did we get there? I was just about to get to that. Yeah. There is just like so many funny posts and so many memes that exist that. Like, okay, I'm going to screenshot all of them because, of course, they're genius. So where else am I going to put them besides a meme page? So you were just, like, consuming a lot of content and, like, you were just like, this. I need to have an archive of my own somewhere. Yes. So was Not Funny Didn't Laugh just a way to ensure that your phone wouldn't run out of storage? In conclusion, yeah. And it's also a little... (laughs) (laughs) It's also just, like... I originally started it with my ex-best friend because we both just had so many memes that we didn't know what to do with them anymore. We would just constantly send them to each other and we also would just like post them on different accounts. We thought like, wouldn't it be genius if we just combined both of our silly ass brains and made an account. So you feel like it's like an extension of you, like it's like yeah. your brain like scattered in different ways. Yeah. So that's how much you identify with the memes that you're posting. Do you feel like a connection to your followers? Because you, ima- how many followers did you have at Not Funny's Peak? At first, it was like 20k. Yeah, 20,000 followers. So like, do, do you feel like a sense of community within those followers because you're all relating so hard to these like yeah, internet? Yeah, definitely. Things? Like, that's exactly why I kind of like running it too because I feel like, okay, these other people have the same humor as I do and not many people have my humor. So it's fun so to like, be able to interact with amidst them. Amidst all the chaos of the internet, you're like happy to connect with other people over things that you think are funny. Yeah. 
I think that's like the one peaceful thing. Right? (laughs) That's how I feel too. That's definitely what keeps us running back despite all the annoying shit that's there too. And the fact that we're literally addicted to it. Mm. Mm, We don't gotta (laughs) talk about that. (laughs) On the other side of that, there's also controversy. Yes. So like, talk us through some of what you face being a meme page owner because like obviously as an admin, you're gonna face people who have different perspectives. Memes are charged. I face a lot of controversies. I mean, there was this one time that I posted a meme about skateboarders and how skateboarders, skaters. Skateboarders! <laughs> these gay assholes, these punk ass kids. These I wanted to be smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. There was this one time I posted a meme and it was about skaters and within their community how there's a lot of rape allegations because yeah, a because lot of them are scum. Rape. Um, no offense. <laughs> like, I know I'm about to get my ass beat all over rape. again. <laughs> but true. it was basically a meme. It wasn't a Facebook meme font. So it was just supposed to be funny and silly and like obvious. Like I didn't think that they would take it so that it seriously. Like, it, was, it was basically like poking fun at skaters for getting away with Yeah, and mind people. you, my account pokes fun at everyone. Yeah, that's of course. The, the fun I, think, of- <laughs> hey, I think rapists are fair game to make fun of. <laughs> Maybe that's a controversial opinion. I mean, look, I'm not saying all skaters. It, it would always rapists. be a controversial opinion. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> it's just that, you know, like obviously when something is prevalent in a subculture, it's something we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about that some punks are white supremacists. It doesn't mean that we don't all have some punk characteristics. Subcultures get really ugly. If you don't oh, know yeah. that from listening to this podcast, then just like, wrote a ten-page paper about exactly. <laughs> you know, like that's just how it is. So yeah. So the, did the skaters get mad at you? Is that? Oh my god. So that post blew up, and it got like twenty-five k likes, and it just mm-hmm. kept growing and growing. There were so many shares. There were so many comments. All the all the skaters came. All the skaters of the fucking oh, world came to that yeah. post. Started reporting, mass reporting my account. Report like that's like masquerading my account, and then they were in the comments talking about how it's unfair for me to be saying this about them because not everyone in their community is like that. And I was like, well, if it's a big enough issue that we could all joke about it, clearly there is something that you're not addressing. It's so funny that they're always like a cab because you know, like if there's one bad cop, they're all bad cops. But then when one of their bros is a rapist, they're like, well, not all of us are like that. That's literally what they were doing. That like mentality is so insane. So they were trying to report you for making a joke about how yes, uh, like making a rape joke. I'm like, I did not say that you're a rapist, but now that you're you're acting like that, you're not making a rape joke. You're making a joke about how like they're privileged and like they use their like social identities to get away with being sleazy or whatever it is. Like that's not like they weren't like trying to defend like women against rape they're jokes. actually like, they making were, like, well i feel like you know I mean? there's like this lack of nuance with humor sometimes we're like we know that there's a difference between like making a joke about a rapist and making a joke about somebody who was raped and like but some I people do think, not understand I know that, that but i don't think the skaters that are reporting no. kayla are worried about girls getting triggered they were literally coming like for that. me because yeah. i was a girl they saw in my bio that i was a woman and they were like well what would you know about that like that's not actually true like they were actually Why, more offended a skater yes they were more offended i wasn't a skater and that i wasn't a man that's another one of the controversies that you face in there that you weren't a skater <laughs> 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 Basically, yeah. I was literally in the comments like, why do you guys all have your panties in a fucking twist? And they were like, oh, really? I'm the one with my panties in the twist? Like, they would just poke fun at me being a girl. And I was like, you guys are just proving the point of how much you actually respect women. Like, you're proving the point that you're probably so, so, hiding. So, like, how do you deal with that kind of... When you get, like, attacked by a, a subculture that is so, like, bros for bros. Like, they're, like, coming at you like a pack of wild, feral Tompkins boys. Like, what do you do <laughs> when you're in that position? I fight them back. So I'm, you do. So you engage with it. Is that, like, part of the internet experience is, like, 
engaging when people come at you or i mean i would say i'm a special case just because i like to argue with people so in the Hot comments girls like to argue with people on the internet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like i've never gotten offended by anything they've ever told like i've never been like, they never hurt my feelings okay but i will fight with them it's actually pretty fun because i always have clapbacks i mean at the time i was running the page with my ex-best friend and she honestly thought that we should delete the post and that we shouldn't continue to fight with them and i was like no no i want to keep fighting with them because it was fun to me you know so I, like i don't want to back down like that i so yeah but then again like so you're having a conflict with your like real life friend because of like uh internet beef like don't you feel like is it worth it to like argue with like your co-founder to fight with people do you think no and the answer could be yes like that it, do, it actually does i get that yeah like, that's like what being a meme page admin is like i get having to defend that it's just like talk more about that um well, it wasn't a fight it was more so like her getting worried she was like oh my god they know like they have our main accounts and they know that we're girls like what if they try to dox us or something and i was like don't, like don't worry about it like right. i will take care of it and she didn't want to reply to all of them so i was like don't worry i got this i was playing like the big man here and i was gonna fight all of them and she was gonna mind her business and log off because i just didn't think it'd be fair like we poke fun at everyone and i'm pretty sure they poke fun at everyone too you guys are ridiculous like no you guys poke fun at everything you guys make so many jokes but we can't make jokes about you no you're not excluded out of this we're all bullying you too <laughs> so you've had to face that but then i mean then it gets a little darker yeah, yes. can you explain what happened with the racial allegations? <laughs> I don't like how you said that. I don't like the white allegations. The white allegations. The way you the way you said that. Please welcome to the stage, racial allegations. <laughs> I think this was one of the most delusional internet beefs I've ever seen in my life. Like this, this is, is quite honestly the most chronically online person I've Kayla ever fought with in my life. And black, like period. Like that's just like I you, you can't confuse it, but but it gets confused. Well, <laughs> but it gets confused. It's actually a big con my main controversy. So why don't you walk us through the rise and fall of Not Funny Didn't Laugh? What what took it down? Okay, so ever since the skater thing, we started getting a lot more haters and just a lot more people that would just start picking on our account. Like they'll see us on a meme and they're like, "Wow!" Like, I don't know. I'm kind of offended by this, and it'll literally be a <laughs> just meme like, about. Take your pick. They're like, "Wow!" I don't know this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, like they literally would. It literally be a meme about like, let's say like a girl with baby bangs. Mind you, I'm a girl with baby bangs, and I feel like it's like, not as anything. A baby banged woman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so i'm like why are you offended and it'll be like bitches like this steal or something which is true i do steal <laughs> <laughs> and they would be like i just think that this is really offensive to me and i just don't like you're making fun of like a certain but i'm like dude like this is a meme pitch memes originated from making fun of certain things and like oh, sometimes you're gonna be the target of it, it yeah especially when you're coming from a place of like I, yeah i have baby banks and i steal if you have baby banks and you steal and you're like sensitive about it then <laughs> they're like Who's you so gotta deal with brunette hair cam <laughs> they would get mad at me for things like that like i would repost that and it'd be actually so insane because other big accounts that so I there's would be always with. just some that group. would happen to you it's like you would post yeah. like girls with brown hair can't wear jeans and people's accounts would be like um actually yeah, quite literally what do you mean we can't wear jeans i have like You're screenshots of all of this anyway, like, yeah. Yeah, they just like actually would gaslight you into being whatever enemy they want you to be that's like, basically so so yeah so so what happened i mean i around the time i was posting a lot of memes that contained the n-word and me being a black person obviously i could post those memes and i could enjoy them and I feel like 
There are a lot of subcultures that I connected with on that account, and one being black people because I am a black person, and obviously we have we share the same humor. Well, basically, I think it might have been like two memes in a row that I posted that contained the N word. They, I had active haters. I would block them, and honestly, sometimes I would just let them interact on my post because it would help me out a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, bring me more likes and shares. Haters please. are your motivators. All press is good press, especially exactly. on a meme page. I feel like the controversy aspect is what fuels engagement. Definitely. I also get bored sometimes. So like whenever I was on the toilet, I'd be able to argue with. Them. Right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing to do. But this one person, I still don't know. I, they did not even have any profile picture, no nothing. And it's they, always the ones without the profile picture or with an anime profile picture. They're gonna <laughs> like try to rip you to shreds. Roman statue bust profile picture. That is like, <laughs> like already just like a red flag. Like that, I don't even see that. For, I don't think I'm on yeah, the internet. I, the part of the I, internet I where that, that is that's like yes, you. <laughs> that, might be, that might be more you. Yeah, Gia, like, come on, <laughs> don't. Have you don't see the Roman statue. I'm like, I'll bite who's Roman and who's the statue. (laughs) (laughs) First, they were like, wow, honestly, I find it really funny that you guys are posting this meme. Meanwhile, both of you are not black. And I saw that comment and I immediately replied and I was like, well, actually, if you look at my account and I tagged my main account, I was like, well, I am a black woman. You can see that right there. I'm not lying. And Mm. they ended up replying with oh, well, that's crazy because you're the color of grapeseed oil, and I don't think that you actually experience life the same way that other black people do. Like, what the fuck? Which is insane because I'm very much a black passing person. I am black. I look black in all of my features. It's ridiculous to me that some people think that they can assert their truth in that way, and especially so, like, what is the context? Like, what kind of commenters are these? Like, is this, like, the skater boy type, or is it other people of color? Like, who were targeting you? Um, the first two times that this happened, it was really funny because it was just an SJW. I mean, I thought that they were entitled to be able to call that out, which is insane to me. Them not even being like a POC person. And I would call them out and be like, So well, this is a white woman telling you that you're not black lot. enough to say yes. the word. Wow. Yes. That's crazy <laughs> how it goes full circle. And like, then I would tell out I would literally be like, well, aren't you just like a white savior? Now you're over here like telling me that I can't say the N word. Meanwhile, I'm fully a black person with black features. And I experience, I walk through life and like I'm living a black experience. But you think that you have the entitlement to. It's honestly really weird because it's almost like they think that they know me on a personal level to be able to make all of these comments. I guess it, it goes back to that connection you yeah. said that you make with people over humor. People think you're on a certain level and then when they yeah. feel like even the slightest bit violated, like that parasocial relationship, like something is triggered in them, like they're going to take it out on you as if you owed them something to begin it with. It started out with a lot of white people, but then I feel like after a while I created this narrative on my account, all my other like black followers would see the comments and me arguing with them and it almost like they didn't believe that I was black anymore. They thought that I w- it was just a white woman running this account. Wow. So yeah. you like lost their faith and trust really fast. Why? For defending yourself? Yeah. And I feel like all of the commenters, like they almost believe it was so many of them. It yeah. W- I mean, you must pers- feel like so swarmed and cornered in those moments. I mean, definitely. But it was more so like I just got angry because I was like, how are you guys letting these white people dictate my ethnicity and my mm-hmm. culture when that's literally I'm not lying. You can go to my account and see for yourself. It was annoying. I would get these comments like all the time. Every single time I posted a black meme, like relating back to like black humor or whatever, I'd post something with the N word. They'd be like, aren't you like not black or are you have? Can you post this? So what started out as this like space that you felt like you could project all of your humor into that felt like you even said a scattering of your brain is yeah. now being picked apart to your specific racial identity. Yeah. 
So like it starts off as this like big ambiguous like fun kind of page to interact with. It ends up being this like hyper microscope on who you are as an individual. It's not even about reposting memes anymore. Now it's about like, do you have the authority to even post about content that might not relate to you based on their perception of you? I mean, it's so complicated. This is where it doesn't get fun anymore. This is like at the point I was like, I can't even post. I have to watch out for what I'm posting because I'm going to have to explain like 15 times over my ethnicity and who I am. tethered to this internet persona that wasn't supposed to be this serious at all. Yeah. It's almost like they made a caricature of the community. They started bringing up my features and how I'm supposed, quote unquote, supposed to look. Meanwhile, the black community and just POC people in general could look many different ways. Of course. So it's actually insane that they started, they said that my nose wasn't white enough. My hair didn't look, I mean, I flat iron my hair often. So in most of my yeah, pictures, it is straightened and it's know, styled like, differently. You're going to style it. Like, they, that and was I thought it would be a little bit argument. obvious that my hair is obviously straight. And there's pictures of me with curly hair on my account too. But they were like, oh, you don't even have curly hair. You're, every POC person, every black person is supposed to have like really coarse curly hair using words like nappy. Yeah. Which was insane. Like, like it got so racist yeah <laughs> they thought that they were doing they thought they were being so woke meanwhile they were saying that black people are supposed to look a certain way and if i didn't look that way then i guess you're not black and i would understand that if i was a white passing person but how are you telling me that when i'm literally just a light-skinned black woman with clear black features i walked this earth living a black experience i was defeated you were defeated <laughs> the back and forth went so back and forth it that instagram so guidelines got involved because i'm pretty sure i got mass reported and within like maybe two hours of that whole argument i got to the account and it couldn't get in anymore. so a combination of sjw's and poc who had been coerced by the narrative that these like white women were spreading about your account like all of it just got to the point where they ended up deplatforming a black puerto rican woman yeah it's an insane story it is insane you were dethroned basically you were dethroned for Um, for a falsehood like do you say the n-word now anymore i mean i wasn't (laughs) 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 i'm like i'm sweating right now (laughs) (laughs) um honestly it wasn't a word that i often said i I have said it before, obviously, because I grew up in a culture where it was actively said, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a word that was really in my dictionary. I would see it in memes, and obviously, I would think it was funny. I would read it out loud to my other black friends, but... So have you been more self-conscious about that kind of thing since this? A little bit. I mean, for a minute, it made me question, like, do I really... Um, do I really peg people as a white woman on the internet? I did not. I've never gotten those allegations before. It's the most insane, like one of the most insane things that's ever happened to me. In, like, the, I, in the world ever. <laughs> <laughs> because like, True. exactly. Like I've never. <laughs> We're like a mixed girl's ethnicity being questioned. This has never happened before. <laughs> no! no. No, I'm kidding. You're I'm like, kidding. I'm no, kidding. No, I'm, I'm being like light skin Meghan Markle to five right now. <laughs> I know, and I know I can feel that way, but it's it really is an interesting concept. No, like, no, I feel like a lesbian. It's like I don't even know where I belong. <laughs> like, no, you're not being logic. You're not being Halsey. Like this isn't that because you you are obviously a black woman. Like this is it's insane. Like, you would th- that's I'd why never, this is a unique story. It would it's so interesting. I've never had to explain my identity like that exactly. to anyone. Like obviously they ask me, am I mixed or like behind like though Henry's talking Spanish. I'm like oh like do you have any like spanish in you and i'd be like yeah and i'd explain my culture to them but i've never had anyone ask me if i was black in real life i just think this like whole situation is a crazy interesting study on how like we are forced to come to terms with parts of ourselves we might not have ever even questioned because we are 
fragmenting ourselves on the internet for everybody to see in a certain way. And it's like, you didn't even mean to. You did it in one of the most anonymous ways possible by having a meme account. This isn't even on your main account. And it still, it wrapped you up so hard in your identity that you're questioning how you come across in the life you thought you knew you lived. Like, it's just... To me, like... If you had run a different kind of social media account, like, if you didn't run a meme page specifically, because I feel like memes and meme culture are so, like, associated with white men. And so I feel like yeah. as a black woman, like, you running a meme page would specifically That's attract a great topic to bring so up, actually. much black. Like, yeah, can you talk about that? Like, what do you think okay. would happen if you ran a different kind of social media account? So... It's almost like white people don't acknowledge that a lot of the humor that is posted... Like, not all humor is catered to them that's the entitlement that i feel that sjw's had with me because it's like oh like what do you like do you assume that everyone that runs a meme page is white everyone that's making these memes are white like they're not all white there's different subcultures that you don't understand and you don't have to understand it's not my i don't have to cater them to you i mean they wanted to be so so woke that they ended up literally tearing down a poc person's account because they felt so entitled to my identity and felt like they knew so much about my identity. Meanwhile, half of the people saying this were white people. A lot has happened to you because of the internet. You've interacted with the internet a lot. It's been a big part of your life. Yeah. Do you think it changed your life for the better or for the worse? And why? I would probably say it changed my life for the better because I get to see a different perspective of people's minds and I get to see like how the internet is changing through my followers. It's really like I get people of all age demographics. So there'll be like a 14 year old that is liking my meme. I'm like, okay, that's funny. Like there's certain things that I'll post and it caters to them and like they like it. And then there's also like a 45 year old dad with like a wife and kids in his profile picture that'll come in like my post. I'm like, okay, the old heads are coming too. Mm. And they interact with different posts. So it's funny to see. And I, I don't so know. So you, you think the sense of community outweighs the negatives that you've experienced on the internet? Yeah, definitely. And there's just like, a hard skin that you form after a while like all of us have that after being on the internet for so long like people we've seen people get hate comments everyone has gotten a hate comment at one point someone has been bullied <laughs> cyberbullying exists i mean honestly this is all based on confidence so i never really allowed the internet in that way to warp my perspective perspective <laughs> you're like just be Fuck, pretty and yeah. hot just be cute. <laughs> but um in conclusion <laughs> like i guess what are some things that you do for your mental health on a regular basis like do you have any like things that you do Mm, um, my <laughs> yeah no you're right you're right I, sometimes it's not about advice sometimes it's just about the fact that this is it what really it is. depends on the person i mean mine is just yes. based off of confidence that i've formed throughout the years and you know if it ever gets too hard turn off your phone go touch grass get laid get laid so <laughs> that's kayla's advice that's the the wrap you'll up for the better. episode get laid and you'll feel better <laughs> Very true. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, for talking to thank us. Thank you for having me. Do you want to plug the meme page? I could. It's going to be really long and ridiculous. Okay. Well, just, it's not funny to not look it up. If you can't find it, do you want to plug your main account so people can find it's you It's Kayla Iram at K-A-Y-L-A-E-I-R-A-M. <laughs> Slay. I think that was some sound advice for everybody entering 2023. People are literally so delusional. Like you could put a fact right in front of them and they will simply be like, no. Yeah, I think it's interesting how easy it is to get caught up in something so much bigger than yourself without like even meaning to just by occupying space online. Yeah, a similar but much darker thing happened to our friend Kira, or you might know them as Kira Crake from Vine. Kira was 12 years old when they got famous on Vine, and without their parents' knowledge, they amassed over 150,000 followers. You might remember them as the kid who shot tampons out of their nose to the beat of music, or their slapstick humor, or even their One Direction edits. 
Kira's story is crazy. We talk about what happened with Vine, their experiences on spam Instagram, and how all of this has affected their engagement with the internet. Emily's mic and mine are both cut out for the first minute, so just please pretend they're not. <laughs> we have Kira Craig on the podcast God today. damn. What happened to Kira Craig? <sighs> <sighs> A lot of things happened to poor Kira Craig. I can't lie. <laughs> I had unrestricted internet access as young as like age eight and I liked attention, but I did not like when people came up to me in person, like recognized me like in a public place. It was very weird and overwhelming at such a young age. Like I was actually like fucking 11, 12 and like 13 throughout the timeline of like Vine being an app. Yeah, like that's like younger than even most of the yeah, like all charge of their own content. I think things have tightened up a little bit since then. But like eleven years old and people were recognizing you on the street. How did you even get like that famous as like such a young kid on To be show? honest with you, I have no fucking idea. I just really liked One Direction. I was very like obsessed with One Direction. <laughs> I can't fucking lie, I was like as a like 12 year old or whatever i was always talking about one direction i don't know people thought i was funny i have no idea why because i was just like a fucking kid and my mom was at work and i was like home all day after i came home from school and i was just fucking like making vines like fucking around in my apartment like i wasn't really doing anything yeah i was just gonna say like i think that really speaks to the randomness of the internet it's like kind of scary in a way like you never know like what's going to blow up on the internet it's like or if it's gonna be to you yeah at 11 <laughs> years old i mean like how many followers did you have and how did that even happen like a hundred and fifty thousand. and i always thought it was For, crazy. at 11 years old 12 yeah. years old like that's I always crazy thought it was fucking crazy because i would go to the one direction concerts or whatever and think of like how many people would be seated in a stadium like that and i yeah. think to myself like that's how many people are following me on social media and it was kind of scary it's so hard to conceptualize how many that is but imagine 150,000 people around a stage as like and a 12 year old is playing in their yeah, bedroom literally i'm so i'm i was so fucking stupid sometimes i will like watch like there's fucking compilations on youtube still of all of my videos or whatever sometimes i will watch it and i'm like how did anybody i guess it was just a bunch of fucking 12 year olds also following me on vine i mean yeah watching like all those that content i guess it was like we were watching our peers like you know you see other kids your age it was the first time we kind of broke the fourth wall and like we're connected to like a bigger range of people it's true i forget about it all the time but that was when like the ipad and shit was like first coming out and it really was the wild west and i still think like because we're in such an early age of the internet like we're at a point where we're so like pre-developed it's kind of like when like pe- like old people are like oh i used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day from when i was nine years old and we thought it was good for you like that's like how i feel like they're gonna talk about our unrestricted internet access that's true in the future like i used to watch five isis heading videos a night and i thought it was great for me <laughs> yeah like but like literally just like the amount of screen time like i think we're still very much as a species in like a learning curve for that and like we were at the very beginning of it where they're really just nobody even knew what was on the internet like what we could find like the darkest corners hadn't been fully explored yet but we 
we traversed we those terrain. Yeah, they're rough terrain. The I know. OG iPad but they, But those things have real life consequences. So you like, it's true. like you, what happened to you, Kira Craig, in real life because of the internet? All right. Yeah. So let's get into it. One day I got, if we remember fucking Ask FM, I received a very <laughs> long detailed message on Ask FM from uh, like a 20 or 22 year old girl, I think. She told me that all of my vines were uploaded to like a fucking image board riddled with child porn and like all sorts Whoa. of fucking like disgusting ki- kinds of people kind of like on 4chan, like the type of people that like post on there. And she said that they had fucking access to like all of my shit and um, she had been through a similar thing where she had been doxxed and like uh, hunted down by these people and so this is this is like an organized group of people who like dox people who like i don't that... think so i think it was okay. just like a site like 4chan and i don't know these people like found me and there was like threads about me but like yeah there. but that's what i mean i guess like a message board like there's like a group where there's like a channel of communication where you're the focus yeah as like an 11 year old influencer yeah 11 12 yeah they wow. like had all of my shit they were uh, like talking about so when you um, say they had all your shit like what does that mean like they like were posting your vines like they were yeah, like that's they were so- doing that and like i was fucking, it was clear I, that's how they found you yeah i was actually fucking 11 years old like i was so fucking stupid that i didn't think to like conceal like certain details like in videos that i made and like i remember i had this like school designated ipad and it said like the name of my school on it and i had uploaded oh. a fucking video of me playing <laughs> on that fucking ipad like no. answering a fucking like question for a youtube video or some fucking stupid no. bullshit they completely fucking doxed me no. and fuck you were a kid you yeah. were like in what seventh grade and they're like yeah in middle school genuinely you? yeah because they're pedophiles. Yeah, yeah, they were fucking. Uh, it was very serious. I'm like, sh- I feel like kind of hot. I'm, yeah, in the I'm face so talking sorry about that this. we're like, like making jokes right now. It's all. No, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, it's just, but it's what happened was not funny. And what happened with Vine? Well, Vine like shit the bed. I don't know. I guess they deleted <laughs> that app. I don't know. They, I think Twitter bought it or some shit like that, and then that it happened? just kind of like fizzled out. Um. I never, like, tried to keep myself, like, out there, like, as a public figure online. Like, I didn't, after all that bullshit, like, I don't know. I mean, you hadn't even tried really even to begin with. It was, you were just, like, making videos for yourself, like, having fun. Yeah, and people just, like. Yeah, took advantage of that. It's insane. Um, Can you explain, like, this culture around spam accounts, like, culture oh my god yeah like what was going on what was the purpose of it why do you think that's not a thing anymore too to be honest with you i don't fucking know because i was so entertained by the spam community i remember seeing like that the most so like vile fucking things in my entire life opening up the instagram app like in my formative years because of the fucking spam girls so you need instagram. to like explain to those who might not know like what is spam instagram it's just people that have been fucking chronically on instagram since they were fucking as young as i was like but playing it is online like and shit kind of the other side of of instagram like instagram is all about like you know kind of showing your best face like kind of being a version of yourself you aspire to be whereas like a spam or a finsta is kind of where you are you're more like authentic self and right. like some people have these second accounts 
Um, but some people like live mainly on those those private accounts that sometimes are then made unprivate, and then it's just like the bare bones, like most authentic version of this person. And sometimes people are insane. Spam accounts are like a representation of people's carnal desires for authenticity mm -hmm. at all costs. Like yeah, like uh, documenting my like spiral through addiction on my spam account through like memes and like scattered images of my life falling apart because like it was it's like a journal kind of like a scrapbook there's just like this urge I, get, I think to like document ourselves and analyze ourselves in this like crazy way and sometimes we end up performing I think for that role and feeding into like the excess of it in the same way that we like follow the um, you become the spam account the spam account becomes, becomes yeah you. like life imitates art kind yeah. of thing the, yeah. A lot of these girls were just like extremely fucking like mentally ill and like hanging out with each other and doing a lot of drugs. Mm -hmm. um, they were like Zants battling. They were doing. That's true. They, they were, were doing lots of Xanax <laughs> and they would take videos dance battling. They would do videos fighting each other. They like were they always would like getting into arguments yeah. with each other. Fucking like taking unimaginable amount of drugs and getting into verbal physical fights mm -hmm. with each other. Dance battles sometimes. I saw mm -hmm. fucking these two girls rent and Lisa, who are now, like, very fucking popular on OnlyFans, like, they're in the top, like, 1% or whatever, and they had a man's cum in their hand, like, cupped in oh. one of their hands, cupped and, in their, okay. like, just cum in the hand, mm -hmm. and they took it, and they buried it, like, they made a little, like, grave for it, they, like, was dug like a little hole in the soil, like... and they... I don't know what it was. It has to be. I don't be know what it was. Witchy. I that just remember seeing that. Sounds that. like it would do something bad to that person. It probably was, or maybe they were returning his fertility to Mother Nature. I don't know. <laughs> I just remember watching a video of that. They put the cum in the ground. They buried it. So that's the kind of behaviors that these spam girls would. Do. It was just like actually unhinged, like yeah, constant. unhinged fucking manic behavior. Like, it was just, like, like constant surveillance of the most toxic relationships, I guess you could imagine. Yeah, exactly. Between fucking, like, young girls. Yeah, young, drug-addicted, drug fucking clout-chasing, like, mentally, mentally ill girls. Which yeah. is just, like, awesome A content. Like, so, like, clickbait. I mean, it's literally, like, reality TV, but if the reality TV stars had full control of what was Yeah, it's up. like we, we've elevated reality TV to be like a fully immersive experience because also we've, we, I think we've blurred the lines between a reality star, an influencer, a celebrity, and like just like an internet like user so much that like we've created our own reality television because those parasocial relationships, it's like whether or not you're mutuals, like you're still kind of like putting these people in the position we would have put celebrities in. It's kind of true. We never looked into, like as humans, we never looked into people's lives the way we do now, unless they were public information access. Like, you know, it, we're so much and more exposed. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Me I'm too. I'm so nosy. <laughs> I could not live in any other time period. Like if I did not have constant access to every piece of information about everybody's life, like I would kill myself. <laughs> it's real as fuck. I need to fucking check up on the gay people in my phone. All the little fucking circles. Tap, 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 tap. Exactly. I gotta fucking see what's going on in Ooh. my phone. Ooh. What the fuck's going on in there? It's just like, I guess the problem is how do you balance like a healthy media diet? Like how do you like go on your phone and be normal? Because how do you not get wrapped up in that? You don't. You don't. Right? You don't. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> it's in that 
you what do we don't. do? You because don't. I genuinely like I I have recently become very aware of the fact that we are living on our phones. Like mm. the time I spend on my phone isn't me just like wasting time. Like that's time that I'm choosing to spend you know in a place it is a place it's it's already a metaverse kind of because you're spending like real life like i exist here like there's a whole version of myself that like exists among the apps on my iphone and like seeing myself in that way has been so frightening i feel Why? like because i'm what like do I, do? I it's am starting to become more scary as you get older right that's what i think it is yeah i think that's why these realizations are happening it's becoming more our prevalent. frontal lobes are developing and we're like oh my god it's and they're this like, is this actually is not so much time on my phone i remember one time my screen time was 16 hours yeah, me too bro. i've oh i've had that god. too and it's like i look at the little kids and i'm like oh my god you little ipad baby you poor thing your poor brain and then like i I, I am the ipad baby at the end of the day we're all the ipad baby girl iphone so I guess that brings us to the next question, which is kind of like, do you have regrets being online? Completely, a hundred percent. Yes. So you do. So you do. You're not grateful for that experience. No. It's like you no. Would genuinely just not. not because what the fuck did I get out of it? Uh, other than like being doxxed and like actually shutting myself inside and like being paranoid as a fucking like thirteen year old, like locking my windows, locking every fucking lock on my door, the deadbolt, the little chain lock, making sure that my blinds were closed and stuff like being driven to severe fucking paranoia as but i mean i think it's amazing because didn't you weren't you involved in like you getting those people docs like that you know that i don't know i tried to like hide my vine account from my parents like my mom because mm -hmm. i lived with her and because i don't know i thought like oh she's gonna fucking yell at me because i'm a little kid and i'm like cursing i'm making little right. videos and like cursing online like she's gonna be like you're being a badass little kid like why are you doing that, <laughs> Stop that. but um i eventually had to tell her because i was like fearing for my life and my safety right and yeah so of I course was, like i i was like oh mom these fucking like i i literally just had to like show her and like tell her flat out how it was and she called the police and i think they did delete that site a long time ago that's really good but it's just like, so clear why media literacy needs to be taught to children and parents like way more in depth than it is because as a parent like what do you do in that situation like i mean of course you call the police but like it's so hard to navigate something that Yeah, my mom did not fucking know what master chan was she was probably <laughs> just as confused as i was of course and like that's like because you were not taught we were given this like major tool exponentially changing the world and we're not it's not implemented into like the curriculum of our society to learn how to use it and it's how to cope with to it on like a day-to-day -day. like okay what do you do if your kid gets famous on the internet without you knowing and it exposes them to a pedophile ring what do you do there's no that fucking like handbook happens. for that it happens yeah and it, there should be because now it's happening constantly and the p parents who are not educated and who weren't raised with the values of like protecting yourself and your children from the internet the people who don't know end up exploiting their kids and not thinking it's that deep because they don't they don't care to learn more about it it wasn't like implemented deeper into them and that just like upholds the pedocracy boom pedocracy Pedocracy has to be dropped in every one of our Yeah, videos. I'm just really trying to get I mean, that word podcast. out there. Um, do you 
do you ever miss the Vine cloud though? Like, do you ever think about your Vine days or like, damn. or like at least even the Twitter relationships or yeah. like the people you met through that? Honestly, I just miss like uh, talking to all those kids. I used to fucking have like a bunch of friends from Vine, and we would all talk on Uvu. Everybody oh remembers my God, fucking Uvu. Uvu. <laughs> I love Uvu. That's crazy. I miss that app more than I miss Vine probably. Uvu. But I do miss like all the friends and everybody responsible for Omegle should be shot. That's Omegle, true. like every every young person has an experience. We've talked about this before, but like every young person has an experience, like be, having a, an adult expose themselves to them online. Yeah. On Omegle. Yeah. yeah. All on Omegle. And like that's also like a like digital molestation is like a thing we we don't talk about like what happens online with kids. Like that's not really even a conversation. I remember being like fucking ten years old on Omegle. Yeah, we were all so young. Like looking Omegle. back, like that was so young, and we felt so grown because like our our devices are like an appendage to us. We're used to growing with them, but like looking back, we were not prepared for the amount of information. No one that, had been prepared for. Or Omegle. the platform. I mean, you built a platform of one hundred and fifty thousand people. Like it's amazing. You had fans. People still tweet. Where is Kira Craig? Whatever happened to Kira Craig? That is true. It is true. So in general, overall. Do you think that the internet and social media have changed your life for the better or for the worse? And what what do you want your relationship with social media to look like as life goes on? I think it definitely has changed my life for the worse. Oh. Slay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think okay. that I'm burdened by like unimaginable anxiety and like paranoia that I felt like so strongly back then that it kind of like still lingers. Yeah. I don't know. Like I notice little things that I do that definitely stem from that. But you still interact with it heavy. Like you're always posting That's like true. so much of like your style and like Stockholm the media syndrome. you listen to and like watch yes. and stuff. Yeah. So it's so is that what it is? It's Stockholm yeah, syndrome. I don't. I guess it's just like mu it's like muscle memory almost. Like mm. I don't know. I just I'm comfortable with it because I'm familiar with it. I like to play on my phone. Everybody likes to play on their phone. Do you yeah. want to be on social media forever? I, this is something that I'm asking you because I'm asking myself this too. Like as things are evolving, I'm like I feel like I have to be to do the kind of things I want to do right but also is that true and how like how what, what are the boundaries I can set up to protect myself from falling into like a pit because of it I don't know I want to feel like I can have like a healthy relationship with social media I mean I love my social media but I feel like I, I love my social media because I just don't have that big of a following so it's not really a nuisance in my life nor has it ever affected my life that negatively um, but I also don't have no following, so it's still fun, and I get my little dopamine from my phone. Um, I will say I'm so addicted to social media that sometimes when we're recording the podcast, I'll be looking at my notes, and, like, it's as if some force takes over me, and I open Instagram for some reason, and Whoa. then I, like, immediately close it, and I'm like, why the fuck did I just you know, do that? out of the corner of my eye, I saw you kind of, like, scrolling out, and I was like, what is she, like it looks like you want to be going on your phone, because it's on, and it's in front of you, and, like, I was noticing that, and I was like, is she bored? But it's not that. It is what, it's what you're saying. It's like it's like when they cut a fish and it keeps on moving because it's just like trying to like piece together what left of it it can. I That's think I'm like a like. zombie and I'm just like so addicted to my phone and yeah. I feel that way too. Yeah, I know. And I hate to be, I don't want to be like, boo, iPhone. Like, that's not the point. Like, it's, it, it just is what we live in, you know? And I guess I'm trying to find like the answer in people's attitudes you know and like what what do we do with this now like do are you just complacent in letting the algorithm carry us on this like 
journey further into an AI-fueled hell. Yes. It's hard to have, find the happy medium with the phone. I mean, honestly, like, the problem isn't even, like, social media itself. It's these, like, companies that are literally, like, these companies have teams of people nonstop working to make sure we spend as much time on our phones as possible. <laughs> Says fool. <laughs> just, yeah, just a human centipede of capitalism and consumerism. <laughs> I hate when it, like, goes here. I, hate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I, don't know. I feel like, so bad because I don't know what the fuck Here's to what's going to happen. If we're all bad. depressed and we're going to live in a horrible... I know, but I just, I want to... Because it's not all horrible. Like, we have our fun. Like, everything is amazing. I don't want to be... I mean, you say it all... Every time we say, like, something, like, negative, you're like, yeah, but I love it. I wouldn't have it either way. Like, I love talking my show. I love looking at people's stuff. Like, yeah. Like, there yeah. is... And I also think it's important, as much as we criticize this culture, to allot ourselves the enjoyment of just, like, being able to live in the beginning of this world. I mean, the internet, yeah. you know, it, it's either going to expand into like a, a super highway bigger than we could ever imagine, or it's like a solar flare is gonna happen and it's all just gonna end and then be a phase that we get over as a, as a human race. Yeah, it could be, you know, probably not, but could be. So I guess it's just like, whatever it is, something crazy is gonna happen and we just have to kind of like find our in it and criticize it at the same time and like try to do what we can. I think trying to just like achieve like personal satisfaction and peace is Definitely. important. Do you find, do you, what do you do to do that, I guess, besides be on iPhone? I try to wake up early. That's really a good idea. Yeah. Cook your own meals, that's a good one. Yeah. Cooking if is it's so like human. Simple, yeah. 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 Even if it's like, I don't know, just like vegetables and noodles. You make good food. And rice or whatever. And it's easy, it's not hard. I love that. And make hot chocolate with real chocolate and not powder. Period. <laughs> thank you so much, Kira. Yes, do you want to be? You. Do you want to be? Um, do you want to be followed by people, or should no. we not? Do you like don't fucking talk to me? I shit. actually just deleted the like my fucking whatever Rinsta or whatever the fuck. Period. Oh really? Whoa, that's crazy. I do not. I can't so you wait? You just like, you must have just did that because I was recently. I did do you. that like yesterday. Or like yesterday. Two days wow. So ago. so so a couple days ago was Ash's anniversary of being on Instagram that she's celebrating, and you deleted Instagram also a couple days yeah, ago. Yeah, I that's have so like my little. I don't know my little like photo diary or whatever you know that's yeah that's all you need that's what i use instagram for at all like exactly. i i don't i turn off my likes like i don't care i just use it to like document everything it's a diary okay i love that make hot chocolate with real chocolate not powder right that's the takeaway yeah thank you kira because the powder tastes bad it does taste kind of bad I completely understand why Kira has the view they do because of what happened to them. Oh, yeah. I think the juxtaposition of all of our guest opinions on this episode has been, like, super enlightening on the spectrum of ways people our age are, you know, now in their 20s and how we're processing online experiences that we had in our teens. Yeah, no kid was prepared for virality. And I think we're just now kind of finding this out. Like, it seems obvious, and, like, I guess that's the whole point. But, you know, even though this new kind of technology is unprecedented, it's like evidence that we can work with what we know about adapting to new forms of information. You know, it feels a lot like a lot of new things are on the horizon. And when we're faced with this prospect of change so abruptly, it can send us into panic mode, like just instinctively. But in a way, we kind of like have been through this before. You know, I feel like having been around at the infancy of social media 
you know, it's our responsibility to chronicle the experiences of being online in this era. And maybe we can even take something away from it when it comes to processing all there is to come. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> okay, Maleficent. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know, you can make the most out of these tools. You can use social media to go viral. You can use AI to create whatever you want. But also keeping in mind the dark underbelly of these things is really important. I agree. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Follow us on Twitter at WGHpod. And on Instagram at What's Gonna Happen Pod. And from a new AI that makes you a playlist based on your tax returns, this has been What's Gonna Happen.